Welcome to Optimistic Tales. I'm your host, Dr. Eric M. Moody. Before we get into the episode uh, where I'll be speaking with Mr. John Onder, I wanted to give a shout out to his, some of his upcoming performances. Uh, you'll be able to see him playing bass with Midlife Chrysler at 6 o'clock on July 11th uh, in Huntsville, Alabama in the uh, Concert in the Parks series. Also again on the 20th of July, from 5 to 8 at Buena Vista in Hampton Cove there in Huntsville. Uh, he'll be doing an acoustic solo gig uh, on that date. Uh, I've had the honor and pleasure to reconnect with John after 30 years, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. All right. Well, I'm here today with Mr. John Onder. Um, he is a... Uh, music teacher at Holy Spirit School and uh, a uh, youth music ministry director at the uh, Holy Spirit Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, However, we have just recently reconnected. After 30 plus years, um, we went to school at University of North Alabama together back in the late 80s. And uh, I would say our claim to fame (laughs) was this... uh, lip sync contest uh and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh as we talk again as i tell my listeners all the time john they don't want to hear me they want to hear you so welcome i appreciate you uh joining us and uh the floor is yours oh thank you so you want to hear a little bit about my background yes you're yeah you're a musician quite quite well known so let's start there how did you get your interest in uh particularly in in bass playing uh, my siblings, my, I'm the youngest of five, and my older siblings really influenced the kind of music I loved at a young age. My oldest brother, Lewis, listened to hard rock, heavy metal, so I loved that music. Right. And I met some friends at Grissom High School where I attended and graduated, and, and they said, we're in a band and we need a singer. And I said, well, I've never tried singing, but I, I would love to do it. So I tried singing with this band and back in the 80s if you were a heavy metal singer you had to have a very high range right that's not me no I have, you have the hair too uh, <laughs> uh, not anymore but back then yes i had some hair uh mm-hmm. and but i just didn't have the high range right. and at some point i was talking to my best friend dave hughes and he played bass and he goes man why don't, why don't you just let me teach you a couple songs on bass and so he taught me a Jimi Hendrix song, right. and and it was physically very difficult for me to play. But once I just practiced and was able to play, and it was a relatively simple song, but once I was able to play it, I felt this huge sense of accomplishment. And I said, okay, I'm going to pursue this further. And so I used to go to his house every day and play his bass, and he started getting irritated. And I was a senior in high school and he said, uh, you know what? Get your own bass. And so <laughs> for my for my graduation present, my parents bought me a bass and I became obsessed with it. And right. basically I was uh, obsessed with, with uh, shredding guitar players. And I said, I'm going to do this on bass and I don't care whether someone else has done it before, but this is, I'm on a mission. And right. so I so I practiced constantly every day. And you know the old saying, you need to be able to walk before you run. Right. That's not me. I was uh-huh. running 
but I still didn't know really how to play many bass lines. It, it was really this bliss sometimes, isn't it? Yes, it was, <laughs> and it was. But I was, I was very joyful, and but, but people would always say, "Yeah, but can you play a country bass line?" And I'd yeah. say, "I'm not interested in playing a country right, bass line." Right. And later, uh, when I went to the University of Alabama, I mean of North Alabama, with right. Dr. Ed Jones, right. he he said, "You know, I'm going to give you a scholarship." but you have to learn how to read music. You have to learn how to play in all these different genres. Right. And so he was, uh, he was very instrumental in my development as far as he would work with me every day. And so he's my biggest influence as an educator because he took, he'd say, come to my office during lunch today. So he would take his lunch every day and practice with me on sight reading and right. playing different uh, genres of music. And he didn't have to do that. Right. He just he just wanted and and he once said he gave me the ultimate compliment. He told his uh, secretary at the time, "I think that man right there, that young man, is the only person I've ever met who loves music as much as I do." Wow. And he didn't say that to my face. He said that to her, and she came back and she goes, "I don't know if you realize how much he have he appreciates you because right. everyone knows that you think he's the most awesome educator ever." But he he likes you too because he was just from old school, didn't show emotions and stuff like that. And so the wonderful thing about Dr. Jones was he was still at UNA when my daughter graduated high school, and she uh, joined the school band. She was a dancer with the uh, was actually a uh, North Alabama lionette. Oh yeah. And so I reconnected with Dr. Jones, and he and I. Uh, would have lunch together. We would go to the UNA football games together and sit together. And he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, God rest his soul. But uh, he was a wonderful man. And he really got me after I was obsessed with the technical aspects of bass playing. He said, okay, there's so much more you need to know, and I'm going to help you. And so uh, he really helped me out. And, right. and right before I went to, uh, I went to UNA for a short while when I met you. Right. Then I returned back to Huntsville and I went to Calhoun. After I finished Calhoun, the two-year degree, I went back to UNA and uh, that's when I, and right before I went back to UNA, I went to California because I was written up in Guitar Player Magazine's spotlight column by a man named Mike Varney. Mike Varney owns a record label and it's called Shrapnel Records and he first recorded Ingve Malmsteen, who is my favorite guitar player. And so when yeah, I saw called Spotlight, I used to get those guitar players. I mean, I had subscriptions to them uh, all through uh, high school and, and, and even after that. And uh, I remember it, that uh, about the Ingve Malmsteen and, uh, and, and the impact that that had to have on you at such a young age to uh, uh have have you know sent in a demo thinking you know what have i got to lose and then you get spotlighted on a cover for 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 the listeners this is uh october of 87 i think was the issue so if they yes. want to look that up but it had uh you know eddie van halen uh, on the cover you know and for you to be what what were you 19 to be on yes. the cover i mean that was had to be extremely exciting for you Yes, it, it was very exciting. It was, but it was this very methodical process because I, I loved Ingve and I thought, okay, so how did he? He lived in Sweden, 
Mike Varney paid for him after he put him in the spotlight column. He paid for him to come to America. He had very little money. Mike Varney had him uh, record lead guitar on one album. Then he hit the big time. Right. And Billy Sheehan from New York uh, did a very similar kind of thing. Then he started playing with David Lee Roth after he left Van Halen. So all these people, Paul Gilbert also was a wonderful, and he still is phenomenal guitar player. They all went via route of the spotlight column. And so what I did was I, just like you, I got guitar player every month. I read the column. I corresponded with everyone who was in spotlight. I paid for their demos. They sent them to me via mail. I listened to them and I said, realistically, do I have this much talent? Can I pull this off? And so after listening to the guitar players and the bass players, I just thought, okay, I now I know what Mike Varney's looking for. He's looking for, you know, the, the first few seconds, you got to impress him with your technique. Right. But then but then further on, you got to show him that that you're not just a one-trick pony. You can do right. different sorts of technique. You you actually can write good music, not just uh noise. Right. And any anyway, so I kind of figured out a formula and I was pretty confident when I sent him the tape that he may feature me. And when he called me, it was a dream come true. He, he called you me direct, huh? Yes. He called me at, at my parents' house on the landline back then. And I just went crazy. And he goes, Hey, if you're ever in California, look me up because I want you to start working for me. And I go, well, when do you want me to come? <laughs> and, and, and he goes, he goes, well, I'm actually going to be in uh, Los Angeles on this date. And I said, okay, I have a friend that lives in Los Angeles who is attending music Institute, musicians Institute, GIT. And I said, I'll see if I can stay with him and I'll, I'll, I'll meet you or something. And, and it was uh, it, because I was just a man on a mission. Right. And we actually picked him up from the airport. We watched Paul Gilbert's band audition for CBS records with Mike Barney. And so to me, I was just completely this little boy from Alabama going to Los Angeles and seeing all this stuff for the very first time. And then he came back to my friend's apartment where I was and he goes, okay, pick up your bass and impress me. And, and I was, didn't, I was kind of dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say or do. And he goes, go dude, play for me. And so I played and he goes, I'm kind of underwhelmed. You you need to, you need to break out of that shell. Cause I'm not a braggadocious person or, and I'm not just in people's faces. Right. And so then after I went back uh, home, after visiting my friend, uh, we would talk on the phone all the time. And, and it was so funny because sometimes he would call me or I would call him and, and he'd say, uh, you got your bass with you? And I go, yep. And he goes, play for me. And I, and I after that one time, I right. said, you know what? Every opportunity I get, I am going to blow him away or I'm going to wow. give it my uh, best effort because this is my future. And so I would play. And the funny thing is, is he goes, Paul Gilbert's, uh, this is a three-way phone call and Paul Gilbert's on the other end. And he'd say, say hi, Paul. And Paul would say hi. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I just played for Paul Gilbert and I didn't even know. I think it's better that I didn't know. Right, right, exactly. And anyway, so I started, uh, he, he would say, why don't you come to San Francisco and work with this guitar player? 
And so I would fly out there and work with someone. And the first several times I went, uh, I went to New Jersey, I went to San Francisco, I went to Memphis. I traveled the country trying to put something together that could be on his label. And they, the three things failed. And wow. I, and I just thought, and because he just goes, yeah, this stuff's okay, but it's not quite what I'm looking for. Right. And I actually just started to think maybe this, maybe this isn't meant to be. And then I got a call from a very good friend of mine, Joey Tafoya, who's a, who was one of his recording artists. And he said, I need you to come out here for at least a month. I need you to fly out to California. Mike's going to pay for everything and you're going to help me write and record my next album. And his previous album had a wonderful bass player named Wally Voss who passed away. He actually played with Ingve Malmsteen. So I was in rare company right. and I, I flew out there and recorded his album and Dean Castronova, who now plays with journey Dean played drums on the album right. and, and, while we were out there, Brad Gillis, Night Rangers guitar player, came to watch us, and Mike was going, "Okay, John, do your thing." And, <laughs> and I did it because I was just like, "There's right. no, there's no looking back. It's now or never." Right. And things, things like that happened to where it was surreal from a kid from Alabama. And then after I did that, I would come back to Alabama and go to school. And right. then every once in a while, he'd say, uh, "Either there'd be a live opportunity." in California or a recording opportunity. And I would fly back out there and it just, it, it basically happened over uh, a little more than a 10 year span. I recorded between 10 and 15 albums for Mike Barney. Right. And it was just, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Right. I mean, you, you were, you were, you were in the fame circle. You were, you were in the in crowd uh in in that genre and which is i think is amazing but i want to add this before we get too far away from your uh your connection to una and, and how you and i met uh we were both commercial music majors uh and uh they had a club we called ourselves ips which were the uh you know inches per second uh indication on uh, recording tapes and so we called ourselves ips and every spring UNA had a lip sync contest and you get out there on that big amphitheater and, and, and groups, clubs and all would do lip sync. So uh, myself, Bill Russell and Ruth Campbell, all, I still keep in touch with Bill. Uh, we're all huge Beatles fans decided we were going to do a Beatles uh, thing. Uh, you know, and we, back then, you know, you didn't have, you know, the technology you have today and, and you know, to, to, to find it. But I remember, taking a uh, my we all took our jackets to decided to turn the collars in and that's how we had our remember you remember that that's how we got the collarless jackets we couldn't afford <laughs> to buy real ones so we just turned the collars in and so uh i remember we did uh i want to hold your hand that was the song we did and uh, we weren't plugged in there were no amps it was just they were literally was and i don't remember how they got to pipe the music in it must have been a speaker of some sort they piped in the music and we lip synced it uh, and I think we actually were singing a little bit because we could actually sing. So we were singing along with it. Uh, but I remember, here's my antidote for you, John. And I told you this the other day. And I, I want to tell the, the, uh, the listeners because I think it, it speaks to your attention to detail that they're starting to hear in your story. Uh, in your, I don't want to say a perfectionist because I don't want any negative connotations. It was, it's, it, it was you took professionalism to a very positive level. 
But when you showed up, we met over in the music department and we were going to walk over and, and we, we met you. What you what John had done, and this to this day, I still remember it because it impressed Bill and I. Uh, well, you know, John Onder is a right-handed guitar player. Paul McCartney is left-handed. But John, took you took your bass and flipped it and changed the strings on it. Even though we weren't going to play, we weren't going to plug into it. But just so that on the on the pictures, if anybody was taking pictures, which you didn't want them to see that you had just flipped the guitar, you wanted that authentic look. So you actually flipped your strings around so it would look like a, a left-handed bass player. Well, what we didn't know, we get over there, we do the lip sync, was that the local TV station had was filming it for the news that night, and, and we actually ended up on the news that night. Unfortunately, the video doesn't exist anymore because back then they used the old tape, you know, VHS tapes, and when the next story came around, the guys in the news department would say, hey, we need you to go down there and fill the accident. And they'd grab the, whatever tape they had and just record over it. But we made it in the paper, and so I've got, and I sent you a, a copy of that photo. There's a picture of us. We made it in that, and we actually made it in one of the bulletins that UNA published that next year. It was a little picture of us. We actually made the bulletin. So yeah, it was our little claim to fame, but I just wanted to add that, that uh, you've taken that perfectionism to a positive level and, and have done great things with it. Okay, you. so so now we're you're traveling around California uh, or around the, the country and you're, you're in the kind of in crowd. So what, at what point did you say, uh, I, you know, something's got to change or what changed for you? How come you're not the famous guy out in California today? Well, I I really I really loved it, and one one aspect was at the time no one in my family had ever gotten a college degree before, right? And so I I wanted to do that because I wanted my dad to be proud of me. Mm -hmm. So they would say, well, why don't you move out here? And I said, I'm, I'll, I'm planning on moving out to California as soon as I get my degree, but I'm not going to have my parents uh, help pay for my school right. and not follow through. So I, so I followed through and I got my degree. I fell in love, got married. Right. And that was, uh, that was, uh, it, it made me think, and then my daughter was born in, in 1995. And when my when my daughter was born, everything changed. It it and because I had played with all these people, and I was I was not uh, what I, what I want to kind of clarify. I wasn't on this in I wasn't in this inner circle of famous people. I was on the periphery, and I you know I always played with this guy who played with. I always right. <laughs> played with this guy who was in this band. And, and so, but when I was mingling with those people, they would always kind of share with me, uh, especially when my daughter was born, they said, man, it's the greatest thing. Uh, one regret I have is I wasn't there to spend time with my daughter because I was always on the road. Right. And, and then uh, one person I played with uh, who was a very devout Christian, he said, he said, man, I'm playing in this band and we're, we're selling millions of records. And, but the guys I play with, I just don't have a lot of respect for them because right. they're, they're, they're doing all sorts of immoral things. And he just said, man, the, the music business can be great, but that same time it, it can really influence you into a, into a bad life. Right. And so hearing all that, and then 
playing with just different people from all over who sometimes if they were on the road with someone, they were making good money. But when that tour ended, they right. were struggling. Right. And, and I just thought I'm, you know, my dad was an engineer. He made a very steady living his entire life and he supported us and he was always there for us. And I, that was, that was ingrained from him. Uh, and I just thought, I'm not going to be this musician. That's that where my daughter is going, daddy, where are we going to live? Or right. daddy, where, I haven't seen you for three months. And I, right. I now have a new stepdad who right. is really my real father and just different things like that went through my mind. And I just thought, okay. And I, and I talked to Mike Barney and he respected that. And he goes, I'm still going to call you. Right. And I'm still going to ask you to come out here. And I said, well, if I can do some recording here, because with technology, when you were able to record uh, from Huntsville and just uh, email them the files and stuff, right. I did that. And but most of the time he said, no, I want everyone in person. And he goes, instead of a month like we used to do, how about two weeks? And I did a couple of two week things to where I helped write and I helped right. And record and stuff. And then I just said, Mike, I'm down to a week. If I, if I, if you, if you need me, I'll give you a week. Right. And it was just one of those, I'm sorry, but I, I'm not going to be away from my daughter because I was, I was on the road uh, with the Forrester Sisters Country Group, group right. and we were in Michigan and my daughter spoke her first words oh. and, oh. and it just crushed me. And right. I just said, and, and I told the Forrester sisters shortly after that, we, right. we played all over the place and we were traveling uh, by bus everywhere. We were, we did some TV, we did all sorts of festivals and right. it was, it was really a, a wonderful experience and they were wonderful people. Uh, but since they were the artists, they were able to bring their families with them. But since we were the side men, we were not. And, right. and so at that point I just said, uh, you you all are wonderful. It's been a joy playing with you, but I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. So I basically just said, Mission Control is in Huntsville, Alabama, right. and I and, and I went back and I got my master's in music education at uh, Alabama A&M University, and then I got a job here at Holy Spirit School, and I've been here ever since. And that it's not very far from Nashville or Florence. I mean, Marshall Shoals and and and. And Sheffield, they still have a, a viable uh, music scene. Um, I agree. And, and you know, and, and I, I hear you, John. I mean, there are probably thousands, if not millions, of, of, of people like you that that have this, I would say, God-given talent. And you aren't chunking in your musicianship, or, or should I say your mu musicianness? You were just changing your priorities in life, which which I think is. And, and to me, that's part of that optimistic tale that that whole, uh, you know, blessing that you have have been uh, bestowed upon you. And you just decided not to just, you know, quit it all and give it up. You said, you know, I can still do this, but I can help other people in other ways. And so and, you, you know, so you go back and you get your music education. I tell you what's funny. I heard you. I just heard you say that, you know, you actually did uh, learn that country bass. Yes, I had to. It was yes, it was definitely a necessity, and and you know, people call the the country baseline the dumb guy baseline because it's like dumb guy, oh. dumb guy, and 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 a guy who say just play a dumb guy baseline, and 
when I was first playing it, I was holding the notes too long and it didn't feel right. And then right. I started holding the notes not long enough. And I was going, this may sound simple, but, but no, this is, right. you, you have to have the right feel. Right. And in order to do that, you have to immerse yourself in the music. And so with me, I was just this rock guy. So right. rock came naturally, but when it came time to play other genres of music, I, I, at first I really struggled and it was more of a, uh, I need to listen to this a little more closely and study okay. it because people don't give it the credit. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, and, and now I appreciate all different kinds of music uh, because I had to play them. And, and once I embarrassed myself a few times, that was enough to say, you need to really listen to this and study it because right. you, what you're doing right now is not good enough. And right. so, yeah, I would say a, a working musician's life is one of not only flexibility, but necessity as well. You know, I, uh, my friend uh, Skip and I, you know, I was in the Beatles. And so we taught ourselves how to play guitar. Well, in ninth grade, when we decided, you know, to get together with uh, uh, other, you know, friends of ours in the band to, to form that, that garage band uh, group, uh, come to find out, you know, guitar players were a dime a dozen. Everybody was playing guitar. I mean, just, and I just didn't have the patience to do the practicing. And I found out that bands didn't have basses. So right. what's funny is even though, you know, I went to college, guitar was my instrument. I did all the recitals. I play guitar. I'm a guitar player. But in the bands I've been in, I had to play bass because nobody wanted to play bass. Right. You know, imagine that. And that's the most fun I've ever had. Is And I, I, I play more closer to the, you know, the, the dumb, 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 right, you know, right. but what's really funny is I, I also figured out that because it, as a guitar player, you know, we would do like roll over Beethoven, you know, and I grew up with a Paul McCartney influence that I could do, you know, all my loving baseline and sing at the same time. I ah. uh, see. I, I found out I had that skill. So that came in handy. Uh, but um, that's a great skill to have. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it, it's funny how that, that whole life of necessity, but it's in your, and, and I know what, what, when I hear you talk, it's in your blood. I mean, it's in your DNA. You, you've got this, this musical bug that you've got to release, you know, and I did the same thing. You know, I, I got, I was in a band in Mobile and we were playing, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning when my wife was pregnant with my first son, you know, and I'd come in and she'd be up and I'd smell like smoke, right. you know, and she, she was pregnant. She'd get sick. And I just, I was missing out on this. And I just, I said, you know, I can't do, uh, I don't, it's not that I can't do this anymore. I just didn't want to do it anymore, to be right. honest with you. And right. uh, so I know exactly how you feel. And, uh, but there are other ways to do it. My wife and I, she's a, she is actually the musician in the family. She plays piano, classically trained. So we ended up playing in church groups and, and things like that. So there are avenues you can do. Uh, I agree. And, uh, so yeah, absolutely. And uh, even, even in, um, in the uh, international association that, that I belong to, there was a conference up in up in uh, Montreal one year, and so that's my that's my can Canadian gig because we had a Thursday night mic night, and I took my guitar up there and played a Roger Miller song, so I can awesome. get credit for playing Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 you're so now you're at uh, you know like you said you're on the periphery you know you you've gone on and done great things, uh, but now you land yourself at Holy Spirit. As the music uh, uh, teacher, you're also, you're not just a music teacher. You do ensemble stuff directing too, right? 
Yes, I, I teach music to uh, grades pre-K through eighth grade. Pre-K. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pre-K. My daughter's a pre-K teacher in New Orleans. What do you do for the pre-K for music? Well, we we do movement because if you don't, if you don't, they're going to go nuts because they can't sit still very long. So, <laughs> so we do music and movement. So you you learn rhythm. We do echo clapping, different things. And then we sing a lot. We sing a lot and we work on uh, songs that they should already know, such as uh, the ABC song and Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Different, any, any different Beatles you throw in there? Uh, uh, I love the Beatles, so yes, I try to fit the Beatles in any any chance I get. We, we, we have actually, to keep that flame going, John. Right, right. It, it, we've actually done um, um, "Let It Be" at at mass before because the priest said when he mentions Mother Mary, that can be a reference to our Holy Mother. And I said, "Okay, Father, we'll do it." And and we ruffled a few feathers. Uh, yeah. The, in the congregation because it's a catholic mass but but some people loved it It was just so funny it was very polarizing some people came up after and said that was beautiful how the girls harmonized and how one of them played it on ukulele and right. this and this and this and then one said how dare you do the beatles at a sacred mass and and but the priest had my back right so good that's that all okay important. yeah he's yeah. he's great father mike but but yeah so so I just try to do with them. We just have fun. And, and basically that gives me an opportunity. I guess that's where my sense of humor, th that level is about where my sense of humor okay. is. So the, so the, the young ones think I'm really funny and the older ones are over <laughs> it. By, by the time they get to middle school, they just kind of look and they just think you're not as funny as you think you are. Mr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of fun. We, we, what do, what do they tell you? Okay. Boomer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so what have you got going on now? So now, so outside, uh, you, uh, I understand you, you released a couple of albums in the last five years. Uh, and uh, so let's talk about the one in, in 2007, the uh, Faith, Hope, Love, Passion and Pain album. How did that come about? And it, did, is that your first one with, uh, was that on uh, Starting Me Fresh? And how yes. Did you and with them. And where, where I was kind of coming from was I was always this bass, uh, flashy bass player, and I could right. play a lot of fancy different styles and stuff like that. And I, when I was with Mike Varney, I would play different solos on people's records, and people from all over would, would message me and say, you know, you're one of my favorite bass players because of your finger technique and, right. and, and different things like that. And... So my whole my whole uh, life and career as a musician, I wanted to do a bass album. Right. And so I uh, have a friend, Jim Cavender, who owns that label. And I said, look, uh, I don't I don't like the technical aspect of recording. I don't like engineering. And some some musicians are great at that. But I'm more I want someone else to to worry about miking and and pushing record and and punching me in and doing right. doing this thing it's no fun for me at all i like to play and i like to write and so i had written all these songs on the bass and i spoke to jim and i and he said he said you've come to the right place because i love because he and i have been friends for a long time and we've played a lot of gigs because he's a great guitar player right and he just said so what's your initial thoughts and i said i might want to do just all bass just loop 
just just bass will play the chords, bass will play the melody, bass will play solos, bass will play percussion on the bass, you know, and 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 he would say, well, why don't you get and, and one time I went in there and we had recorded uh, all bass on one of my songs and he did a guitar solo that was fantastic. Right. And he said, do you like this or do you want to just have it be bass? And I go, no, that just made the song better. Right. And he played a harmony with my melody. And I said, OK, I'm not opposed to getting other musicians. And so I, I got uh, a lot of friends involved and we did an instrumental album that was, you know, it's a bass solo record, but it features a lot of great musicians on right. it. And that was uh that was what we did in 2017. And it was just basically a bass album with a lot of great musicians. And I uh, formed a band from that and we played right. a lot of instrumental music and we did a lot of records on his label with different people after that. Right. And in the whole time I kind of thought, okay, I've kind of done this. I'm ready to kind of do something new. And I've, and I've worked in churches uh, for almost 25 years. And right. every time I've worked with a church, I'll end up uh, uh, saying, I don't have a specific song with the scripture this Sunday, so I'm going to write one. Right. And oh, some wow. of the, so I've written hundreds of songs and some of them are pretty good. And some of them are, what were you thinking? That's awful. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, so what, what kind of transpired was I just thought, okay, I want to do a vocal album because I love writing songs, whether it's instrumental music or uh, it, to me, it, I just love music and it, any, any genre will do for me. I just really love it all. I appreciate it all. And so I did, a, 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 I, after the bass album, I kind of played that out and I thought I'm ready to do something different because I'm, I'm 54. It's not like I'm 24. And I just said, right how do I want to do this before I get too old to do this? And I just right. thought, okay, I want to write a secular album about my life, just about different aspects. And, and so what I did was I wrote uh, songs about my mother, songs about my daughter, song about my dog, who's my best the friend. Ollie? Yeah, the Ollie. Ollie. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that's the album that I just put out. And right now I'm in the process of, uh, of recording a Christian album. Okay. And, 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 and the singers on the Christian album are former students of mine from school here who have grown up and also my daughter is going to sing on it as well. So, so we're in the process of recording that now. Now she, uh, she did harmonies in the artwork for the previous, uh, just what I needed. The one you yes. released. It was, it was, uh, someone told me, what are your plans when you finish recording this album? And I said, well, I'd like to sell some to try to make some money back. And, right. and this one person said, John, no one buys CDs anymore. So you have to sell merchandise. And I said, well, right. I'm not a self marketer. I'm not into that kind of thing. And she just said, you just need some sort of artwork or something uh, with merchandise that you can sell. And so I had this, brilliant thought but i had no idea of how it could come to fruition because i thought okay the album's called just what i needed that song just what i needed is about my dog so all i want is a very simple picture of a bald guy a guitar and a little dog and <laughs> and, and 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 so i tried freehanding drawing it myself and it looked 
just atrocious. <laughs> it was awful. And I so and you're I not talk, an artist. That oh no, 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 I'm not. And and I talked to my daughter Adrian, and I just said, "Will you help me?" And she goes, "Dad, I'm not an artist." And I said, "Well, just it shouldn't be that hard. You, all you got to do is have a ball guy, <laughs> just some acoustic guitar, and a little dog." And she came up with an initial drawing, and I said, "Okay, the the uh, uh, let's." And she said, I don't know about what to do with the dog's eyes and the man's right. eyes, how it's going to look like you. And I said, well, let's just, you know, what about if there's no eyes? And, and it's just kind of like a like almost a, a horizon of a of just a just a ball guy and a guitar. And you can just kind of see, but it's not real defined. And so that was once she did it because she kept working on it in between because she's a uh, a software engineer. And so oh, wow. she'd say, in between meetings, I came up with this. Do you want to change this? And I said, can you make the dog a little smaller? And <laughs> just different things like that. And so she came up with this picture. And I said, that's it. And, and someone told me, get T-shirts made, because that will help you recoup some money and get right. stickers made. And you'll get some CDs, because people like a keepsake of some sort, even though the, they don't listen, you know, Cars don't come with CD players anymore. They, they don't. My son's looking for a vehicle right now, and you have to go back to 2016 to find a CD player. Right. And and so anyway, it was just she she did, she worked a lot. She well, she sings beautifully. She sings at church a lot, and she's got a beautiful voice. So she really, to me, she made the songs on just what I needed because she added color, uh, just really nice harmonies. And then when she drew the cover, she just said, your favorite color is blue, right? And I said, yeah. And she goes, why not have it be blue with, with white to where it really stands out? And so all that was her idea. And right. I just said, okay. And so we, we uh, kind of off to the races. And now this, this next album, since it's a Christian album, I thought maybe it can have a bald guy, a guitar, and a cross or something like that. Oh, I just right. thought something easy that people can relate to that isn't rocket science. I don't need, right. I don't need, um, um, I don't need, you know, Monet to come and draw me an impressionistic, incredible painting or I can, something. I can draw you some Jackson Pollock if you want. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so anyway, that's, that's where that came. She's just, uh, she's a, just a joy. And, and, and she, the cool thing, and I, and I know you can relate to this is, is when you're, when your children grow up, it's a different kind of relationship. It, it ends up to where you can be more like friends and it is, it is fantastic. We just went to a movie. We went to see the Elvis movie. I went with her and her boyfriend last night. Right. And we loved it. And, and it, it's just so cool that we can just go see movies together and, right. And we like Star Wars, so we watched uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, oh yeah, it's really series. cool when, uh, to to go to share some of those things that are getting rebooted, and you know some of those traditions with the Beatles. I mean, we we still have you know we're a big huge Beatles family, uh, and so I absolutely understand. And and you know the reason I'm glad we're talking, and you know I'm all about you know uh, uh, God things. And I, uh, when I saw, you know, and I told you this, when I was flipping through my phone at the, the little news feeds and I saw that story, I, you know, the, the headline, matter of fact, I printed it out so I can get the headline. 
80s heavy, uh, it says 80s Alabama heavy metal prodigy returns as acoustic singer and songwriter. And there's a photo there, right? Yes. <laughs> and and I and I and I thought, okay, I'm you know, I live in Alabama. I'll see what this is all about. And when I saw the name, I said, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I uh, I like to I like to see that I know somebody that was an Alabama heavy metal prodigy from oh, the eighties. And I funny. you know, so I am so glad that we reconnected. I uh, thank you. Me I'm, too. I, I'm glad that you're uh, to hear that. Uh, that you've got students that are getting that are coming back up and and you're inspiring that uh love for music and and then they're coming back to you and uh participating and doing projects with you that's that's actually the uh the icing on the cake of this optimistic tale is that you you know you you've had a you had an opportunity uh or or great opportunities uh, uh in your life to uh you know go out to california uh, record and play with with a lot of what young people call you know famous people, and you decided that uh, you know my priority was to uh, to influence uh, younger people and you know in the next generation. And I and I love hearing that story, and that's but the story that I hear. It's it's fantastic for me because there's um, a former student of mine who is a singer songwriter, and she's 16, and she writes incredible. Uh, songs. And then I have a student that just graduated Berkeley College of Music, and he is just a great musician. And, and so, but I don't, I don't claim uh, responsibility for them doing that. What well, basically, I'm just lucky enough that I get to interact with, with students. And, and I think there are a lot of better music teachers than myself and what I just try to do is, okay, I have a passion and a deep, deep love for music. I just want everyone to kind of see that. And I tell them, look, I don't care what music you like. Right. Uh, I just want you to find some, some music that you love. And I'll play them music from when I was a kid and they'll laugh at it. And I'll say, see, I don't care that you, whether you like it or not, this right. moves me and music today moves me as long as it has a positive message. Right. And as long as it really uh, has, is, is just uh, positive because right. I'll, I'll tell them, look, there's a lot of songs that are completely inappropriate. And what, what good are you bringing to the world exactly. when you're, when you're sharing that with others, let's try to try to. So when I write music, I try to have it be uh, a positive message and then these these other people it's just you know i just want you to love music uh in your own way love right. whatever music that you but but just find something that you just really really love so right. they may find another music teacher that's able to teach them the treble clef a little bit better than me or right. that's able to teach them the musical alphabet or chord theory or whatever right. but i want students to leave me and just go that guy was sincere and he really, really loves music. Yeah. And I, I got my love. It's okay to love music. And it's okay if my music is a little different than his, he, he doesn't judge me. I don't judge him. And, and it's just more of a, it's a, I'm, I had a principal, a former principal who is a wonderful man. And he just said, you just, it's, it's, you, you are so easy to read how much you love music that's what you need to uh convey to your students is 
do you do you realize what a gift the the gift of music is to the world and how it can change people and and you know let's listen to music with a positive message it doesn't mean it's square or it's not good it's right. actually great and and let's let's really do some good things with with good music so absolutely yeah to me uh uh you know they say music you know soothes the savage beast uh, i i think it again can uh can help find differences or find similarities and commonality in places in a world where there's a lot of differences that seem to be in the forefront now and and music seems to be that that common thread that can you know save us all and, and you're at the forefront of that uh with your uh what you do with with your musical talent and i appreciate you being here and, and talking with me thank you so much eric right. it was great thank reconnecting with you yes it was it absolutely was a matter of fact as soon as i uh get this uh episode published i'm gonna definitely send a send a link to uh to bill russell oh let him know. tell him i said uh, hi. yeah I, I sure will i sure will john and i appreciate it and uh for all my listeners if you like what you heard today uh make sure you hit the follow button i uh, appreciate you uh being here thanks john thank you